welcome to the podcast, motherfucker. It's now West Coast Wendy's. Well, thanks for joining us for the 30-something-ish uh, eltoro.com podcast. We are back and better than ever. Um, we've actually never been away. It's just, you know, with the past year, um, with the COVID global pandemic, I don't know if you guys heard about that. Um, and us, we've actually constructed an entirely new building. We moved into the Nulu area in downtown Louisville. So there's been a lot of change going on at the organization here. A lot of expansion occurring uh, over the course of the past year with respect to our facilities. Um, but we are very happy to be back and very happy that all our listeners are able to join us now. But I'm here joined with our production engineer, Jeremy Ficklin, and our host, Ari Kruger, uh, who is the marketing manager here at eltoro.com. So today uh, we have a guest that many of our listeners may remember. Uh, we have the one and only CEO of eltoro.com, Stacy Aloysius Griggs. Welcome to the podcast, Stacy. Aloysius is not my given birth name, but uh, it is my El Toro middle name. So you're changing your name? I thought it was on your ID. Yeah. It is not on my ID. I'm pretty uh, sure it's so on your birth the, certificate. The real it, ID. It, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure you guys will print a birth certificate after this. Maybe. Uh, uh, I got time. But uh, but you know, locally here in El Toro, I'll go by Aloysius. But uh, you know, my uh, my family would know me as Stacy Brian Griggs. Huh. And now, if you ask me for uh, my first uh, pet's name, you'll probably have enough to be able to get into my bank account. Proceed. What's your social security number? So, uh, just a little background here. Stacy is a high-energy technology executive with strong leadership skills. God, who wrote Uh, that? (laughs) Stacy has built and managed high-performing teams of sales professionals, engineers, and software developers while working in internet advertising, cloud computing, managed hosting, and shared hosting for well over a decade. As an executive leader, Stacy has built three tech companies to the point where they were recognized in the Inc. 500 fastest-growing privately held businesses in the United States. So Stacy is the resident almost adult here at El Toro, and he has been with us since 2014. He has been instrumental in helping us write our patents and growing the business to a team of over 100. 120 associates here in downtown Louisville, Kentucky. Stacy's also one of my business partners. So, welcome to the podcast, Stacy, and thanks for taking the time to join us. Well, thank you for having me as the guest for your relaunch post-COVID. Happy to have you. <laughs> Stacy is joining us today to discuss Google moving away from support of third-party cookies and replacing them with a new, less powerful tool called Flock which stands for Federated Learning of Cohorts. And the question we're all asking today, is everything flocked? Before we dive in, our bourbon of the day is Smoke Wagon out of Las Vegas. And this brand, uh, they've been in production since 2017. And in in this world, you know, not a lot of folks are distilling their juice from the jump. Uh, But this juice actually originates from MGP right across the river in Indiana. Um, and then they take the juice, they blend it up, they do their special stuff, and then they age it in the middle of the sound. Sound. No, we're gonna have to All right, we're going to insert pop. fake sound uh, to make sure that the cork sounds super cool. Yeah, that's good. That's, nice. that's a good <laughs> fake cork go. sound. Nice. So, um, so let's, uh, let's smell it first. Actually, uh, full disclosure, I have been drinking this already today, but Taste I'm going to pretend like it's my first one. 
Now this is the high mash, high rye mash, Bill. Is that right? Yes, high okay. rye mash. Oh, it's got it's got some pepper. It's got some pepper to it. So yeah, you, you definitely you taste smell that. the spice on it. Like I also get like um, I get caramel as well. Absolutely. And maybe uh, and we were talking about fruit earlier. I'm thinking like citrusy fruit, maybe a little bit of ginger. Well, question. A little ginger. A little question ginger. Mark? You, you, you guys said plum earlier. I'm getting plum out of it, but uh, you know, I, I would uh, I would also go like uh, I mean, more specific on your citrus fruit. I would call it lemon. Mm. There you go. Lemon peel. Yeah. yeah. We're just looking at like a uh, flavor wheel right now and making things up as we go along. Everybody. Just darts. <laughs> yeah. Well, and it's got 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 some tobacco flavor to it when you taste it. But it, it doesn't smell like Kentucky. Yeah, you're right. Like, I get desert. that. I get that comment. <laughs> Not the same. It's unique, uh, but there's a lot going on, uh, especially on the front side of this sip, and um, might be difficult to dissect. But I think we'll uh, give it the old college but, try. By the way, th- this is by far the most organized version of this podcast I've ever seen. Um, I mean, there is a uh, podcast treatment and uh, presumptive script here. It's got the date and time stamped on it. Um, you know, it is. Uh, I mean, you before this was uh, a couple of people sitting in a room drinking bourbon, and now it's a couple of organized people sitting in a room drinking bourbon. Oh man, don't We've put me in that way. group. <laughs> <laughs> Stacy, we're here to talk about some of these upcoming Google changes. Um, talk to us about what Google has recently announced. We want to talk about what it means for advertisers and how these changes might influence internet users. Uh, so, you know, w- when you look at how historically digital ads have been targeted, most ads have historically been targeted based off of cookies. Uh, cookies or pixels, which are sometimes synonymous with cookies, are little snippets of code that websites uh, and different, uh, you know, different publishers and or tech companies plant on your browser when you typically visit a website. Uh, what's happening is now Google is um, doing away with support for third-party cookies uh, via you know its browser, uh, and you know since bru- since Go- since Google's Chrome browser controls about seventy percent of the U.S. market share, that means that in essence cookies are worthless in the United States within the next year. Um, now this is um, something that's thrown a lot of the um, digital advertising world into uh, a tizzy. Uh, Facebook has said that it's going to material impact their earnings. Uh, companies like LiveRamp uh, have an existential threat that uh, you know their entire business has been built on cookies, so now they need to find something else. Interesting enough, eight years ago when El Toro was started, the whole premise was that cookies weren't the right tool to begin with. Uh, you know, cookies were you know the the leading source of digital ad fraud. You know, cookies are by no means unique. Cookies are easy to fake. Cookies are easy to copy. Uh, you know, cookies were always a bad solution. They just happened to be the bad solution that most of the digital ad ecosystem used. And we at El Toro focused on a different solution, which was mapping IP addresses to home addresses. An IP address can only exist at one place at one time, uh, so it can't be faked. Um, you know, technically, you know, like you could try to fake an IP address, but you know the, the, it's just super difficult. Um, and so what we found was that you know by doing things differently, uh, we came up with a better way to target digital ads. It was more accurate. It was more provable. It provided hor- higher ROI for our customers, but also it 
in this case, has now inoculated us from this, you know, change that's sweeping through the tech ecosystem because it doesn't affect us. So, I mean, I, you, you mentioned cookies, uh, you know, you mentioned that they're kind of synonymous with pixels. You talked about how advertisers are pretty dependent upon those. Maybe for some of our folks that might not be as embedded in online advertising as we are, uh, maybe some folks like me, we might have a little bit smoother brains. Um, oh, you know, you, you know a lot about digital advertising. <laughs> could you kind of, in layman's terms, talk to us about like uh, you know something that we could relate what a, what a cookie really is, like how it works? I mean, I know it's code that infests itself on your browser, but maybe break that down in a little bit more simple terms for us. Sure. So um, you know, that code on your browser will then um, you know every time you go to a new website will you know let that website know what other websites you've been to if if you know that that same publisher has code on that browser so think about uh, a common way that people see cookies in action uh, is you go to amazon you look at a pair of red shoes you then start getting retargeted via cookies for red shoes and you know the only way that uh, they know that's you is that you were at a website you looked at you, you looked at that product and they cookied you and then they started retargeting you based off of the use of cookies uh, that's the most common way that people see cookies. Um, and, you know, for people that are a little bit more technical, you can, uh, you know, download a tool like Ghostry into, um, into your you know, browser and have the Ghostry toolbar and look at what cookies are being planted on your browser every time you visit a website. Uh, if you're a website owner, um, you can also go look at your own website. And, you know, it's possible that your webmaster or webmasters over the years have put lots of different cookies on your website. Many of them aren't being used, but at least by you. But that data is still being, like, aggregated, collected, those types of things. So one of the things I always tell, you know, people that have websites is you, you need to go through and make sure that you're, you're – you're not sharing information with the whole world. Um, so definitely you know, go through and you know, do a, a quick review of your cookies every year and things you're not using, delete them. But increasingly, cookies are going to you know, be something that people don't look to put on your website because they're really not going to have much value. Um, and, and by the way, Google is saying that they're doing this to increase your privacy. They're not. Google is a monopoly, and by you know making it so that all of these other ad tech firms that rely on cookies now have a far less powerful product, Google is making its own product more powerful. And they've come out with a new way to target people that they're calling Flock or Federated Learning of Cohorts, FLOC. And and we we did a really nice um, really nice uh, write up on our blog recently talking about Flock and how it impacts the ad tech ecosystem, but also how it impacts El Toro. But you know the reality is Google is not doing this because they care about your privacy. If Google cared about your privacy, they would stop collecting data on you. Period. But they don't care about your privacy. They do care about their profits. So Google is putting profits over privacy, but they're hiding behind the fact that they're doing something to protect your privacy. But don't believe at all that they're doing this because they're good people. They're not. So I was under the understanding that other browsers like Safari and Firefox have already taken precautions to limit uh, or all out prevent the use of third-party cookies. What do you think has taken Google so long to pretend that they care about privacy? Well, uh, so Safari and Firefox were certainly among the leaders here. Google wanted to come up with a new way to be able to monetize you and your, your browsing history, so they came up with Flock, and they had to come up with a way to monetize your browsing history. 
before they got rid of third-party cookies. Um, so it's, you know, it really is, uh, uh, you know, and w one of the things that's interesting is none of the other major browsers have said that they're interested in adopting Flock at this point. Uh, and, you know, when you look at what's going on with uh, Flock out there, you know, they're eventually going to have to have other people that adopt and use Flock or it's, it's going to flop. You're going to have Flock, Flock that flops. And uh, <laughs> so, uh, you know, it, it needs to be the kind of thing that they need to win other people over to their, uh, over to the, their way of seeing things. But I, I just don't think that they're going to. The interesting thing is, you know, we do a bunch of things from a privacy perspective. Well, like last year uh, or two years ago, the whole conversation was about CCPA, the California Consumer uh, Privacy Act. And, uh, and, you know, people thought that we had a little bit of a, you know, like they, they didn't believe initially that our take was what, 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 we, what we ended up uh, being our take on it, which was we're really supportive of the California Consumer Privacy Act. Uh, we're actually supportive of any legislation that gives people control over whether they, you know, like can, you know, have their data deleted from databases, whether people can have, uh, you know, their, you know, take control of the use of their information. And, you know, as a company that, you know, is serious about data privacy and data rights, we want to make sure that we only collect and use information that we have the legal right to use. Uh, and, you know, things like California, where you've got now an attorney general that puts some aggressive teeth into, like, working, you know, working to clear up the behavior of bad actors, I'm, I'm glad we're getting bad actors out of the ecosystem. You know, I can't tell you how many times, you know, we'll get on the phone with some client and they'll be like, well, you know what, like this company says they will give me this data. I'm like, well, you probably don't want that data. Um, you know, there are any of a number of reasons that might violate, you know, either, you know, different state laws or might create new state laws. Um, but, you know, even if you, you know, even if it is like not illegal, you know, you get into, you know, good actors in the ad ecosystem are members of things like the DAA, the Digital Advertising Alliance, the NAI, the IAB. We belong to the DAA and we, we adhere to their self-regulatory rules. And, you know, and, you know, people that are bad actors just go and collect data and don't adhere to self-regulatory rules. But, you know, I'm, I'm excited to see, you know, some regulation to finally clear things up so that people will understand, you know, what they have to do to keep, keep their data out of people's databases. And that, uh, you know, fortunately, you know, the states will be able to go after some bad actors. What I'd really like to see is the federal government have some legislation. Because if you've got 50 different states plus Puerto Rico and some different you know, U.S. territories, having a patchwork quilt of legislation that you have to work through is going to be difficult. Um, and you know, we're already seeing it in like political, where you've got these different states that have political transparency and reporting laws. Um, like Washington State was one of the first to have one, and we were one of the first ad tech providers to be compliant in Washington State. Uh, then Maryland launched one, and then New York launched one, and New Jersey launched one. And, you know, and, and all of these are slightly different, and you have different reporting rules for every state. It becomes the type of thing. But by, by the way, the sound tech engineer who told us to all turn off our phones. Uh, so, you know, boy, was I right when oh I said uh, you know, the sound man. tech engineer is a short-lived wow. job at El Toro. Hate to be that guy right now. It's his last week. <laughs> <laughs>
Embarrassing. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, Stacy, I, I couldn't agree more with what you said. I think uh, there will only continue to be these new laws, and uh, we do welcome those, but the, the varying by state by state is really all over the place. And if something federal were to come along, I think, and make more uniform, it would make the whole thing a lot easier for a lot of people. Absolutely. Yeah, and I mean, we're usually the last people to shout from the rooftops, you know, maybe a little bit of federal government regulation what? would be necessary be here. Right but, you it. know, in this case, where it's like, where, where a lot of these laws are pretty onerous on the part of a small business owner, um, it would be nice to help elevate that and give us, you know, a standard across the board uh, to help us maintain good information so folks are able to kind of trace. Who's placing these ad dollars? What statements are you making? Um, you know, we all need to be accountable for our it, words as they're spread across the it, internet. It is absolutely the first time in my life I've said, you know what, we need more federal regulation in the industry I'm in. Uh, but, you know, look at what Google's doing with Flock. Uh, you know, they're they're upending the entire uh, or most of the ad ecosystem. Um, you know, for you know, based off a decision they made. Look at look at Apple. Um, you know what's going to come out in the next you know six to twelve months, and there's already been some well, lit, lit, litigation filed over this. Is Apple blocked many of the contact tracing apps from going into the uh, into the Apple Store? I know that because we built a contact tracing app with our partners at ReadyApp that was uh, the first contact tracing app in the Apple uh, in the Apple Store. And subsequently, Apple decided to block it and release its own contact tracing app. And I can't help but think how the world might be better today if instead of releasing its own contact tracing app that really didn't get many people to use it, if there were any of a number of choices for contact tracing apps and different technologies, how COVID might have been different in the U.S. Uh, and But Apple didn't block contact tracing apps because they were concerned about people's privacy. They blocked contact tracing apps because they were concerned about their profits. Absolutely. Now, that's fantastic. <laughs> um, well, I mean, as a couple of companies are kind of scrambling to adapt to this changing ecosystem right now, you know, we are very confident in our approach to making sure that we have technology that provides an essence of transparency and traceability um, to the online advertising ecosystem. And that's something that we've been very proud of. Um, and that's, not, you know, we've always been privacy hawks uh, when it comes to, you know, advertising, when it comes to, you know, targeting people with a relative amount of certainty online, um, and then making that same engagement traceable on the backside based upon data points that are empirical. Um, so it's interesting to get like a, a take on it. Uh, from somebody who has seen so many facets of, you know, tech, uh, of, you know, hosting, of, you know, software development, uh, that kind of stuff. And, that, and we really appreciate you kind of taking some time out of your day to come and chat with us about this. Um, and I mean, you know, it might be all flocked up if you are kind of going with a fly-by-night internet advertiser. However, if you're, uh, if you're parking your ads with eltoro.com, uh, Things are all groovy right now. Uh, we'll tell you the exact households you're targeting before you serve an ad. So no sweat, homies. We got you covered. Patented. You know, that's that's the other thing is, you know, you've got all of these ad tech companies that and advertisers and ad agencies, and all they're measuring are clicks and click-through rate and cost per click. <coughs> but they can't tell you, did this person buy from you? Or was this person that bought from you exposed to an ad? Except for us. 
Um, and, and that's always from day one been a core differentiator from us that, you know, advertisers are measuring the wrong things. You know, why do you care how many clicks you got? Because if it's clicks that you value, it's clicks that fraudsters are going to give you. Uh, and if you want to see high click through, uh, click through rate traffic, remove, remove your fraud precautions from your ad, from your ad networks, see what happens. And, and by the way, if you think that, you know, the simple fraud precautions that you're doing with uh, different uh, different ad tech vendors are are very helpful. You should probably go fo uh, follow uh, Dr. Augustus Fu on uh, on Twitter, who is a you know a, already there a, a vocal advocate uh, that you know fraud is probably forty to sixty percent of the average digital ad campaign. And you know if you look at uh, what's reported, it's reported that fraud's between one and two percent. And, you know, it really is, you know, th th there's so much sophistication in fraud because you've got all the sophistication that cookies bring into the environment. You know, when you look at something like an IP address, fraudsters aren't breaking into your home to use your computer and your IP address. Um, so you know, it's, it's been, you know, kind of like uh, in the early days when apples were, you know, not impacted by viruses because, you know, like why would you build a virus that only affected 3% of computers? Uh, very small percentage of, of ads have historically been targeted on IP address, so fraudsters haven't really thought about how to target IP address fraud. Hmm. Great point. That's a good take on it. I mean, heck, we've been... I think it was, you know, back in 2014 where we, uh, and, and Cookie Monster, I'm going to have to voice an official apology to you here. Uh, we've always said the cookie's been crumbling for years and years, and, and we actually got that from Cookie Monster, so uh, we got to give credit where credit's due here. You know, there was actually a CEO of another company that uh, claimed to have uh, invented those words. I mean, I'm not going to mention the I'm not, I'm not going to mention the company, but uh, he approached me in a rather angry manner at a trade show uh, <laughs> back in like 2014. Did he do the Cookie Monster voice and, uh, when he, he said it to he you? He did. Well, first, <laughs> first of all, he was actually unaware that the Cookie Monster had said it before him. Oh, embarrassing. Uh, wow. Yeah, so I mean, you know, and we, we had uh, a deck titled as the cookie crumbles uh, in 2014 and you know and he came up to me in a public place at a trade show with a lot of people around and he's like you know you uh, you stole my uh, my deck I'm like wow pretty sure pretty sure we didn't uh, you know one of our people worked on this deck but I'm like pretty sure this is like our concept so I said why don't we walk through it so like I go through and we get midway through and he's like right there uh, as the cookie crumbles I'm like okay oh. He's like, well, I wrote a wow. blog post called As the Cookie Crumbles. And I'm like, so you were the first dude to say that? Uh, and uh, and he's like, what? Yeah. And I'm like, no, I'm pretty sure like in 1978, I heard the Cookie Monster say it on Sesame Street. Uh, you know, so like, like, so you beat him to it, right? Like your, your blog post wasn't the first time you said it. And he's like. Is, is that the way it has to be? And I'm like, uh, I think that's that the only the way, way it can be. Is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yes, that is the way it's going to have to be. This is the way. This is the way. <laughs> Welcome to altoy.com. <laughs> you know, we need to do, we, we should get like a Morpheus character on here uh, that just says Absolutely. like uh, like red pill or blue, uh, red pill or blue pill. And <laughs> just like have him uh, like lean in occasionally and just be cool. I don't know if we have the rights. I thought that was Jeremy. Is that not like Yeah, that here? is Jeremy. Yeah. No, that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, anywho. Stacy, once again, thanks again uh, for taking the time to come and chat with us. Thanks to all our listeners for tuning back in. Uh, we are going to get these podcasts rolling with a bit more regularity than you have come to uh, come to experience from us over the course of the past year, especially now that we are 
all vaccinated. We're all back in the office. Uh, Things are starting to feel normal again. And I think that's something that we can all collectively get behind. So um, anything we can do to make sure we stay safe, anything we can do to, you know, make sure we're still interacting with one another, um, I'm going to go for it. And uh, this is one of those creative releases that we appreciate having the opportunity to do in our line of work. Um, We appreciate all of the listeners that choose to tune in, uh, try to educate themselves with some of the, uh, you know, trends in advertising technology. Uh, We're going to have some more topics that are a bit more specific with respect to, you know, what we do in ad tech. Uh, We're going to have some very interesting guests coming up over the course of the coming months. Um, So feel free to tune in. We appreciate your feedback. Um, Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.